Welcome to Warren Radio with your hosts, the Watchman Dana Smith and Tower. Thanks for listening. Greetings and welcome to Warren Radio. I am Tower and we are glad you joined us. If you would like to write to the WIBR Warren Radio Network, you can do so by going to our contact page on warren-usa.com. Be sure to follow the WIBR Warren Radio on Facebook with hashtag WatchmanIS216. On Twitter, it's hashtag Watchman21 or WatchmanIS216 and hashtag Warren Radio. On Instagram, you use hashtag Warren Radio. On LinkedIn, you can find us by using hashtag Watchman. And join us on USA.life and MeWe by using hashtag Warren Radio. Join us on Parlor by using at Watchman DGS. And on Cloud, ha- Cloud Hub, you can join us by using at Warren Radio. You can listen to our shows through the following carriers Blueberry iHeartRadio, iTunes Player, Apple Podcast, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, Warren Radio Visions on Blog Talk Radio, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Google Podcast, Anchor, Podchaser, Deezer, and of course you can listen to our shows by going to warren-usa.com or danaglinsmith.com. Be sure to read the pertinent articles by the Watchman. The latest featured art- articles on Dana Glenn Smith are God's Eternal Clock of Redemption. God's Eternal Clock of Redemption. It is where the end began and the mystery of God's Eternal Clock of Redemption was kept secret in God where finally were finally manifested to the church and that's a, f- a free ebook you can download so check that out on danaglinsmith.com and also believers in jesus christ having not seen believers in jesus christ having not seen him there are many such christians having never seen him but they believe thus believers and believing blessed are you who have believed not Having, um, who have believed, yet had not seen Jesus Christ. And by going to Warren-USA, you can read the following three articles. Transforming Hope, A Glass Darkly. It is that hope that burns in us that we know, that we know, that we are certain of our Lord Jesus Christ and American vipers destroying the souls of men. American vipers, yes, we have them. What will kill and destroy, yet people do this daily, sowing seeds of destruction as they go forth. Luciferian Wicked Deliberate Deception Today in America we find a Luciferian Wicked Deliberate Deception 
that's occurring and there are those that have a denial of that very same deception. So you can go to warn-usa.com to read those articles and more. And now I invite the watchman to join us. You're listening to WARN Radio on the WIBR WARN Radio Network. Don't forget to visit our websites at warn-usa.com and danaglinsmith.com. And also follow us on Twitter, find us on Instagram, and join us on LinkedIn. Greetings, Dana. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing great. Absolutely fantastic. Wonderful. <laughs> That's good news. Yeah, I seen a thing over on our Clout uh, Hub thing. They were talking about celebrating it in the middle of the week. We're halfway through. I don't usually do that anyway. <clears throat> time. Oh, I, time just goes by too fast to worry about that. Yeah, I don't worry about it, but... Uh, yeah, and there was a couple of there was a Snoopy cartoon on there. They need to put more Snoopy cartoons. We need a little bit of American uh, old-fashioned humor instead of this corrupt junk that we have all the time. <clears throat> oh yeah, and if you if you uh, are like us, uh, I mean, I refer to me going through all the articles, and Tower has a chance to know what I see and what I read every day and uh, I just got to the point to where uh, I am just not interested in looking at some of this stuff because of the stories the absolute ludicrous outlandish idiotic stupid wicked unbelievably moronic things people are doing in America you know, remember that one on CloudHub where they were they said don't worry about the zombie apocalypse? Yeah, worry about the idiot apocalypse that's upon us now. <laughs> you know, that's unfortunately that's a lot of that going on now, man. It's it's crazy. Well, people need to stop listening to all the fake news that gets you depressed and they need to um, feed more on the Word of God, which is the bread of life. They need to feed more on that than the news because that the news is depressing and it causes you to lose your hope. You can't feed on that stuff That's and expect true. to be happy. Well, we've got uh, 1,300 and some odd videos over on Vimo that people can watch and learn uh, a lot of stuff. We have a lot of in-depth teachings over there and other shows. And uh, we also have a lot of in-depth, uh, what we call classic worn radio shows that we put on there. And included in the recent one was the John series, the Gospel of John. And uh, you can sit there and, and go through that teaching with us and have a lot of hours of teaching, enough to purge your mind from all that unclean stuff that's going on. 
But at any rate, up front, I wanted to mention, you know, it, it was Trump that uh, came up with uh, this Operation Autumn Hope. And, of course, it's been billed as the largest anti-human trafficking operation uh, or effort in, sta in, in the state history. And, and it's in a lot of... This was in Ohio, and I just seen an update to that. They recovered another 45 missing children in Ohio and West Virginia. They've been finding them all over because it's a, a statewide thing. It's recovered more than 2,000 children since 2007. Well, that's great. And then I seen today some guy that was convicted of, of uh, this kind of a thing as well. He ran a cult. And he didn't apologize, didn't think he did anything wrong. And although he's facing 150 years in, in prison, he's been convicted that uh, he goes there thinking he's innocent. That's what he, he says, I didn't do nothing wrong, so whatever. That's crazy. You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's okay to do some of this. No, it's not. And we have so much of it. You know, it's just like... You know, there was a time when I was growing up that I thought America was uh, too sophisticated to indulge in this stuff. And you learn real quick as you grow up that sin knows no boundaries. And in this country, you want to know why we have so many troubles, why we're so divided. It's because of sin. That's right. And there's things we are doing that, quite frankly, uh, the mercy of God is stretched to its limit on this country for allowing this kind of stuff to go on and one of them is is dealing with the kids that we've practically working on destroying but at any rate remember that and pray for the children and we have a lot of uh, kids that are lost today a lot of them that are stubbornly lost because they think they're right and they're not so we, we do have a lot of issues, and there's a lot of issues around the world. You know, uh, if you look at, uh, you know, the kids around the world, a lot of them are victims. Oh, they are. And uh, that's a tragedy. And, you know, these children getting um, rescued from the this human trafficking and sex trafficking... These these children are going to need a lot of prayer and a lot of help because they they will they've been these people have affected them in a way that we can't even understand. Well, it's it's horrible. They're going to need counseling and. Well, I personally think they ought to hang them all. You know the people that do this stuff. Yeah, it's horrible. It's unconscionable. They've their consciences have been seared to do this kind of thing. They have no conscience anymore. Nope. Well, you know, Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed. A lot of uh, believers and uh, we're glad of that. Yes, definitely glad. I'm glad that she is. I hate to see the, you know, the pressure that her family's under, but we do need good people in there. And it got to the point where even Bill Maher said today that uh, Ruth Gator Ginsburg should have quit during Obama's uh, tenure so, she, so he could have appointed somebody. 
But nevertheless, you know, one of the outstanding things, and, and I didn't hear the testimony of this, but uh, I heard about it before then, uh, and that was Laura Woke, who had lost her sight as an infant because of retinal cancer. And, wow. And uh, uh, she was calling, she called what she said a seemingly impossible dream. She kept pursuing it. And uh, she was at the University of Notre Dame Law School, and she struggled to keep up in class. There was a series of events that led her without special technology that she relies on in order to succeed. She says, to my great fortune, I had been randomly assigned to Judge Barrett's civil procedure class as part of my first semester schedule. Woke testified to Congress, though I had only known her for a few weeks, her rare combination of graciousness and warmth gave me hope that she could assist me in procuring the technology from Notre Dame as a stopgap measure until I could fix my own. Woke went on to share that Barrett did more than just help her get what she needed, but lifted the burden from her completely. As a person with a disability, I'm constantly playing the role of self-advocate, she said. I'm accustomed to projecting an air of self-assuredness even when I do not feel it, of acting like I have everything under control when in reality the world feels like it's spinning out from under me. But in front of Judge Barrett, I was able to let the mass uh, slip and indeed to disappear completely. She said, when I finished, Judge Barrett leaned forward and looked at me intently laura she said with the same measured conviction that we have seen displayed throughout her entire nomination process this is no longer your problem it is my problem wow. and and so that that's amazing i i remembered uh this that part that she had been told i didn't uh you know um they didn't go into all the you know, in the beginning when I heard it, they just uh, mentioned a couple of the things that uh, uh, she had told this woman that it was no longer her problem, but it was uh, uh, Judge Barrett's problem. Yeah. And so uh, the woman actually, um, she, uh, uh, she practices law in Washington and was a clerk for Justice Clarence Thomas. And she was the first blind woman to serve as a law clerk on the Supreme Court of the United States. That's that, amazing. Yeah. And she said that started with Barrett. That's very touching. It is. And uh, um, I, I think that's a great choice. So I don't care what the liberals say about it, but, you know, she's a good gal, good woman, good mother, good wife, a good judge. Uh, yes. And I listened to her speech that she gave when uh, she was accepted, uh, when she accepted uh, uh, the nominee, the, the swearing in by Judge uh, Clarence Thomas, who, by the way, Judge Clarence Thomas, when he went up uh, to be nominated, it was Biden who led the vile stuff against him. It was Joe Biden. And so today, so when he, uh, Clarence Thomas, was uh, asked to give the 
swearing in of Coney Barrett. So that was like, you know, uh, comeuppance. That that was real sweet for Clarence Thomas. I know. I believe that to be able to do that when he had been uh, so harangued and and. Thomas wasn't the only one. I mean, some of these Democrats have just been absolutely vicious. Uh, just because part part of it is just because of uh, Trump. They hate Trump so much that they wouldn't care how good the person is. Well, you know, I, I, I know what you're saying, but I think it's because they just hate, period. I think well, that they will do anything to get what they want. And I think that showed it, especially during this election process. And it's shown it during all the all of the term of President Trump. Mm-hmm. And they try to blame it on him for various things, but he can only take so much of the blame. The rest of it belongs to them. You know, your sins are your own. You're going to stand before God for your own sins, not for the sins of somebody else. So there's plenty of sins on the Democrat side for the way they've treated Trump, for the way they've treated the American people, and also for the mayors and the governors that are allowing these thugs to burn down the inner cities and do nothing. And so this is the problem when you have pride, selfish pride, and you you have such a virulent hate that you're willing to let the entire city burn just to get back at somebody. Oh, I know. It's... So as far as I'm concerned, they need to remove the governors. They need to remove the mayors. They need to remove uh, the attorney generals as well as the um, the prosecuting attorneys, as well as anybody on the city council, as well as those that are burning the cities down. If they're not going to uphold the law, they need to be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, removed, and exactly. put in prison. Exactly. That's right. I mean, if we're a country of laws, we need to start making these uh, these uh, rebel Democrats who have, and, and there's a number of them that have gotten the money from George Soros open open society in order to uh, bring down a, you know a sitting government that's that's what they're after they need to be held accountable they do and it's you know it's only going to go so far and uh, at any rate uh, you know let's move on to new york and governor cuomo you know i've noticed recently in the last couple of weeks He's been singling out the Jewish community yet again and also noticed that there was a bunch of black lives that were protesting in New York and some Jews tried to join in the protest and they ran them off. So the Black Lives Matter, you know, uh, they may decry being, you know, uh, a a minority that nobody likes black lives you know matter they're they're getting harassed and harangued but they themselves are thugs uh when they treat them like this and of course uh, uh, andrew cuomo has been known for praising black lives matter protest and he continues as does out in california with gavin newsom to uh you know, allow these thugs to go out and riot, do what they will. Uh, the prosecuting attorneys don't do anything usually, and let a lot of them go. Just like the governor in Philadelphia, you know, in Pennsylvania, the mayor, I think it was, in Philadelphia, had told the police to stand down. 
to not arrest anybody, just to disperse them. And uh, meanwhile, they burned and looted and pillaged. And so they have targeted over and over again uh, uh, the people of other faiths, like Christians and Jews. And that's what uh, Cuomo was personally taken on. Uh, and it sounded like he was really taken offense uh, to the to the Jews that were celebrating. Of course, they were celebrating, uh, you know, some of the fall feasts. And of course, the other thing that hit the news when you talk about despicable is over in France, a teacher was beheaded, a history teacher. Oh my goodness, that's horrible. And he had showed his pupils cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad in class. And the local residents uh, were alerted, uh, police confronted, and shot dead a man armed with a kitchen knife uh, and an air gun who refused to drop his weapons. Minutes later, the officers found the body of 47-year-old Samuel Platty, who is a history and geography teacher. He's the one that did it. And the bomb unit was called in to check whether the presumed assailant was wearing a suicide vest. And uh, witnesses said he was shouting, Alu Akbar. The teacher is the one that he beheaded and killed because of what he did in class. And I noticed it was a couple of days later, They, you know, over in France, the newspapers came out and said that people are convinced that uh, Muslim, Islam wants to take over France. Well, yes. duh. You know, when they started letting them all in, I was saying that, and so were you. Anybody that follows the persecution of Christians know very well. And we know exactly what Erdogan said. He warned. He had a whole army in Europe. They were Muslims that are over there. When a lot of them were going in there, even in Germany, there was a lot of young, young people that were Muslims, single men, and boys, young men, all going in there, there was very few women, very few families, but a lot of those who were at uh, fighting age who wanted to go into Europe. Yeah, you knew exactly what they were there for. Yeah, so, you know, you're, you're in that kind of a situation today. Make no mistake, there are people here in America that want to do the same thing. And uh, we are in wicked times, and... Make no mistake about it. If if you think you're going to sit around on the fence uh, fence line somewhere and and just allow life to go by, you got another thing coming because sooner or later this thing is going to come around. And right now, uh, this election is one of the biggest and most important elections we've had uh, practically probably in my lifetime. Uh, Maybe ever. Yeah, and when you have such a left wing mess, and the Democrats, we know this is proven that. Uh, Many of them that are running for office don't tell people what their real agenda is. They lie to them. And matter of fact, uh, Veritas, uh, the Project Veritas, who, who does the videos, uh, found uh, such a guy who was running for something, and he refused to tell anybody what, what his real agenda was. And uh, Veritas was able to get it out of him in a private interview. As they were sitting down, he didn't know he was being recorded. So, you know, I've heard this from others as well and and seen the testimony of these people that are doing this. So, you know, uh, so much for being square with people. Tell them what they want to hear, but don't tell them what you're going to do. 
That's right. That's wicked. Yeah, it is wicked. We don't need those kind of people in elected offices. And coming up, we do have a, a something from Tower. <clears throat> Are you ready? Yes, this is a special treat, I believe, because it's um, the testimony of Pastor Paul, and this is part one. He's uh, a former Muslim, and a lot of people requested to hear his testimony, so here's his story. I was born into an ancient, prominent, and orthodox Muslim family in South Asia, the fourth child of a retired higher secondary school principal. Because, besides being a former principal, my father was an Islamic scholar and president of the parish of the mosque committee. More than 4,000 Muslim families lived in our area and some Hindus in the suburbs. As far as I know, there were no Christians at all, not even in the schools where I studied. The mosque we attended is around a thousand years old. My ancestors spread the, re the religion of Islam in the area, that area and established the mosque very close to our ancestral home. My grandfather founded the present mosque. The land, revenue, and auxiliary records of the mosque were kept in my father's name well into my boyhood. I was brought up to love and highly regard my family as well as Islamic teachings and practices. I did my religious education before regular schooling. No bad habits existed in our family life. As a young man, I even wrote and published a book on the Quran. I went to a Christian institution for my college education. So the vast majority of my classmates were Christians. As the only Muslim, I at first had difficulty mingling with others, but gradually became close and intimate with many. This, however, led me into evil associations and wretched habits. I started smoking, began to use drugs and alcohol, and became known as a rowdy character in the city. Damaging reports and ugly pictures concerning me began to appear in the newspapers. As a result, my parents, brothers, sisters, and dear ones became greatly concerned. It began to look like I'd have to discontinue my education. And by the time, by that time, I'd become addicted to drugs and alcohol. My body began to quiver and I became very tense if I did not use drugs at the habitual times. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was even on the police watch list. When I had money in my pocket, I had lots of friends ready for any adventure. But when my parents cut off the money they'd been giving me regularly, those friends became my sworn enemies. I lost my peace of mind. At this juncture, some missionary students gathered enough courage to come and talk to me. They claimed that Jesus is the Son of God and was crucified for all humanity. He rose from the dead and is the King of Peace, they told me. They further claimed that if one believes in him and confesses all his sins, he will become a new person. I could not even imagine the prophet Jesus could be the Son of God or that he was crucified and rose from the dead. So I in turn exhorted them to reach heaven by believing in Islam, which I told them is the true religion. I had heated arguments with them on many occasions. 
They could only find fault with my wretched life, but could not prevail over my arguments or prove my ideas wrong. But without losing heart, one day they brought some gospel tracts. They were based on the Bible, which I considered forbidden, for it is abrogated. Most Muslims believe the teaching of Mohammed override or abrogate earlier Christian and Jewish scriptures. Hence, I went into a rage. The thought that the advice I had given them earlier regarding Islam had made no impact on them only increased my anger. I tore the tracks into pieces. With despicable words, I threw the pieces into their faces and threatened to destroy them if they continued misleading others. It was a serious matter that students of the priesthood were publicly insulted and persecuted, especially within the walls of a Christian institution. It looked almost certain that I would be expelled from the college. I could only expect trouble from many other directions. And that's the end of part one. Okay. And we'll read part two in a little bit and hopefully get to part three. In Sudan, which we've covered, uh, you know, for a long time, many years. By the way, Sudan uh, has reached out uh, to join those uh, Abraham Accords with Israel, the peace. So uh, that's a, that's really exciting. Yeah. Well, you know, they 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 do have the the Christian part of Sudan going, and they also have. Uh, the northern part, which is Muslim, and so we're hoping for peace in Sudan. They've had a lot of of violence. Um, Morning Star News uh, gives a, an account of a pastor's son and their cousin and their 20-year-old aunt were assaulted north of Khartoum. Uh, Muslims uh, continue in the area to target uh, church members. Um, now, there are religious freedoms that are favored by a new transitional government, the transitional government that actually replaced uh, the old uh, guard that had been in charge of everything. Um, and uh, Levi is his first name. He was 17. He had gone into a shop in Khartoum, and he was wanting to make some purchases. A Muslim man approached him and dragged him behind the mosque, and along with two other men, um, they beat him. And uh, they were upset with the continued presence of Christians in the area. And of course, this is this is the feeling with a lot of them in uh, a lot of areas, including in, in India, where the Hindus get the same way. We're also seeing this same kind of antichrist animosity in America because there's a lot of them that are sick to death of the fact that Christians have morals and there's certain things that need to be upheld and these people don't like it. So we see this a lot and of course uh, uh, when we Levi however is a member of the National Presbyterian Church there and uh, 
one another one another one of his friends um his uh, his cousin who was 16 went there to look for him and of course they started taking care of him and then uh his aunt showed up and they ended up beating her up and you know the big problem you run into when you get in this is many of the christians do not file charges because it the police more often than not try to get them to make peace with the muslims nobody holds the muslims accountable a lot of times muslims get away with it we find them getting away with it in just about every nation that we're talking about and christians get hurt christians get killed christians get thrown in prison and face death penalties for blaspheme but these Muslims can blaspheme Jesus Christ until the second coming. <laughs> it's only then that they're going to be held accountable because in their own nations, nobody holds the Muslims accountable. And it's always the Christians that get the bad part of the thing, uh, you, you know, the whole whole thing. And, of course, Sudan is ranked seventh on the Christian uh, as far as uh, persecution and uh, Yeah, you know, just one of those things you get tired of looking at. You get tired of seeing these people always beat up, always persecuted over there. India is another one. And, you know, a lot of times over there, this is, there were 15 Christians uh, uh, that were summoned to a meeting. Uh, and, of course, the idea behind this um, is to try to get the Christians to become Hindus in India and um, they went to the meeting and the Christians were told by the ones uh, which were Hindus that they needed to recant their faith or be forced to leave their homes and of course we've seen this before and one of the one of the survivors uh, of a previous attack said they'd been tortured for almost three weeks oh man That's picked horrible. on and everything else so the Christians fled into the forest. Now, we did report this particular thing. Well, the thing of it is, they're still in this mess. And when they went to the village, uh, they found their homes in rubble, broken utensils, clothes were scattered, broken cycles, motorbikes. Uh, they had nothing. And... Uh, um, they're living in houses now that are roofless. And, of course, the authorities, you know, you see this time and time and time again. Don't do a thing. And this They're is... They're afraid to. They are afraid to because a lot of the cops that are local there are Hindus. And the ones that are doing all the beating up know who these guys are. So they, they don't do anything. They... Uh, and... Uh, you know, when it comes to India's Christian community, now the Alliance Defending Freedom have a total of 328 incidences. But uh, there's a lot of incidents that go unreported. Uh, almost all of the time, they're never solved, per se. Uh, most of the time, the culprits are never held accountable, ever. Uh, and it's always the Christians that get the the low end of the legal spectrum here <laughs> you know you get the snot beat out of you but you get thrown in prison for antagonizing them or something 
Oh, dear God. You oh, know, no. it, and, <clears throat> you know, the whole country is Hindu, and, of course, they're, they're putting together a national state in India, and Modi's part of it. But Modi is a well-liked leader over there. Uh, by America and a lot of other countries, and they think he's uh, India is supposed to be a democracy, but it's not. And there's a lot of persecution over there. And when the BJP party, which elected, which Modi was part of, is connected to radical nationalists, and uh, the Christians themselves had been warning before that time that there would be trouble for Christians, and it's been that way ever since. And that's been years and years, folks. So, uh, with that, we do have another. Are you ready? Part two of okay. Pastor Paul's testimony. And I don't know if I mentioned this before, but he is with, um, he's Pastor Paul of Bibles for Mid East. And so, um, this is part two. The next day, I went to college armed with weapons and intent on using them. When I entered the class, the missionary students ran up to me and embraced me with love and joy. This surprised me by they surprised me by expressing regret for having caused me mental distress. Had the college been run by my religion and I found myself in the place of those missionaries, I know my reactions would have been very different. I was so touched by their love, kindness, and gentle nature. The Holy Spirit, which reminds us about sin, righteousness, and judgment, began to work upon me. That night, I found a piece of paper in a textbook in my room. On it was written, The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, for whom I am the foremost. 1 Timothy 1.15 On the reverse side of the paper, I read, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23 I did not know where these they were verses from the Bible, but I was overcome. All the sins and violations I had committed since childhood began to appear before me as if on a big screen. I, re I recognized all my iniquities, big and small. Each one of them seemed to transform into a blister on my body. The blisters burp burst open and became sore. The flesh and bone from which pus began to flow out became very hot and began to melt. Worms were competing to get at the marrow of my bones. The pain was unbearable. The stench could not be described. I was being pulled into a bottomless pit. There was nobody to save me. God save me, I cried out. Then a man, holy, white, and bright, descended from heaven and touched me. I understood it was Jesus. For a moment I closed my eyes with heavenly joy, for his touch cooled my body and mind. When I opened, up my, when I opened my eyes, all the blisters and sores had disappeared. It was as if I had been washed with perfumed ointment, but Jesus, who came in bright and spotless, was now infected with blisters and sores. Pus and discharge was flowing out of them, and worms and maggots rolled, roamed freely on his body. 
He now appeared as an abominable, foul-smelling creature. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole, and which his, with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Christ had taken on himself all my affliction. I should have been condemned to death for all my sins, but I saw Christ taking all of my sins upon him and being crucified in my place for my sake. Earlier, I had never believed that Christ had been crucified. I used to ask how our sins can be washed away by his death, even if he was crucified. But now I was convinced how and for what Christ died. For our sake, he made him to be sin who who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 I saw Jesus break the tomb and rise up from the dead, glorious and resplendent. I fell at his feet crying, My Lord and my God. I do not know whether this experience was a dream, a revelation, or a vision. I wasn't a believer in anything like this, but it transformed me into a Christian. It enabled me to throw away the old man and become new. I revealed I received joy and peace that like I received joy and peace the likes of which I had never known before I shared my conversion of mind and my new joy that same night to my parents although they listened they tried to dissuade me saying this was only a trick played by satan but I was convinced that the loving God had saved me through his only son and that I would inherit eternal life. I was baptized in water as soon as I accepted him as my personal savior. The Lord also baptized me with the Holy Spirit and granted me the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's part two. Now back to you. That's that's such a great testimony. It is. I love it. It's exciting. I hope everybody out there listening enjoys it. Paraguay Missions for Lives. Uh, there is no doubt that missions is an important part of getting the gospel out. Christian Aid had uh, had this coming from rural uh, Paraguay. And one of the things that God specializes is as we've seen and that is delivering people from their sins and uh, in rural Paraguay as well in many places you can find young teenagers that get in trouble and Francisco had friends that were stealing and assaulting people And he felt that when he would beat people and take stuff, steal from them, he felt powerful. And he knew they were wrong. 
because local missionaries who had been in contact with had provided meals for him at a church. And he had been eating there since he was eight years old. And they had taught him about obeying God. And the problem was his mother was living somewhere else and his father was only focused on drinking. So he didn't have much adult guidance except for these missionaries. And so being on his own, he felt he owed obedience to no one. And, and that included his grandparents who had been taking care of him. But uh, because he started acting like his buddies, they accepted him. And uh, one of the biggest changes that God made in me, he says, was to take out all the rebellion that was so much in me. Many times I did things that did not please God, said Francisco, who's now 18. My mother living somewhere else and my father spending all he had only on alcohol that affected me as a child since I was looking at, for affection of a father or mother. He goes on to say that God never abandoned him. He says, I thank the missionaries of the church um, feeding center were, who were the ones who guided me in my spiritual growth. One of the biggest changes that God made in me was to be able to take out all the bad things I did. The rebellion. That was so much in me. And that rebellion, of course, is sin. And th this is really, really what it's about. But, uh, you know, he's one story of many. And overseas, or if you're in America, wherever you're at, you know, this is... This is what Christ is all about. Not hell. It's about deliverance from hell. It's about hope. So don't let, if you're in America, don't let the things that are going on confuse you. There's only one God and one Savior, Yahshua, Jesus Christ. And no matter what happens here around the world, this Christ, this God, this Savior can deliver you, heal you, and be with you all of your life. Amen. And so now we return to Tower. Okay, this is part three of Pastor Paul's testimony. But mine has by no means been an easy path. Some of the community I formerly belonged to felt that my accepting Jesus Christ was an act of betrayal, and they tried to take revenge. Someone once sprinkled sulfuric acid on me, and one day I was narrating my Christian experience to some of my friends near the mosque. Suddenly, one of my cousins stabbed me, splitting my lower jaw. Everyone thought I might die, but God saved me and made me a witness again at that place. My cousin began planning another way to kill me and trying to make it look like suicide. While tying a noose for me to the top of a tree, a gust of wind knocked the branch he was on to the ground. We found him there near death, and I extinctly wished he would die. But Jesus ordered me to love and nurse him as he had loved me when I was his enemy. 
He was taken to the hospital and was in plaster for more than six months. When he recovered, he accepted Jesus as his Savior. Yet another person became a Christian. The mosque authorities chained me, shaved my head, and locked me in an underground cellar. When I tried to escape, they sprayed me with acid. I was beaten up several times and even lost a few teeth. I considered these experiences as lucky tips in the name of Jesus and as a symbol of my spiritual fervor. The Lord visited a few more people who had caused me trouble, and most of them have come to believe in Jesus. I have two sons and one daughter. A terrorist group once sent a division out to destroy my entire family. Their commander managed to make my children consume poison, and all three were taken to the hospital in critical condition. My daughter remained in a coma for close to 30 days. Her remarkable recovery so resembled a resurrection from the dead that the man who had wanted to kill my family became a follower of Jesus Christ. He has dedicated himself to working as a missionary and winning many souls into his fold. Another time, I and one of my assistant pastors were severely beaten in a village by a mob of radicals who also burned down our prayer hall. God alone has saved me over and over. Recently, our Lord enabled me to overcome a murder attempt. Someone ran their motorcycle into me intentionally, trying to make it look like an accident. When I was in the hospital recovering, my wife and children faced murder threats at home as well. But God preserved all of us miraculous, miraculously. I was... I must mention that my parents, brothers, and sisters were all devout Muslims. Most of the seniors are Hajjahs, that's men who have made the Hajj or pilgrimage to Mecca, and Hajjmamas, women who have done the same. Having let Jesus Christ into my life, I was excommunicated and for quite some time was not allowed to have any contact with my parents and extended family. I and my wife felt sad about this and brought it to the Lord in our prayers. Gradually, I began to reestablish links with my people through letters and telephone calls. Finally, a day came when they had accepted the fact that I worship Jesus Christ they visited my place and stayed with us and our children. I spoke to them about the love of God, and we have maintained good rapport since then. Two days before my father's death, he had a vision of Jesus, with the marks left by the nails on his hands and feet. He accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. My mother, too, became a believer shortly before she died. My deep desire is to take the gospel to the unreached, especially to the world of Islam, and win them to the salvation of Jesus Christ. And that's his testimony. That's a, praise the Lord, that's a wonderful testimony. It of is. God's work in a person's life. Well, his ministry is magnificent as far as miracles and delivering people. We've been following it for some time. Um, and he has uh, people that work with him up in Canada, a, a, a woman that uh, 
helps up there. I don't know what all uh, else they have for staff, but it's basically him, and he does have uh, the assemblies of the Loving God churches, and uh, that's where they work out of, and they get in a lot of different areas, and they're very, very dangerous right on the front lines. And we've covered a number of it, not just from Pastor Paul, but from others over there on the front lines. And we've seen miracles and signs and wonders, people coming to the Lord. And so if you've ever wondered, you know, you get tired of the things that are going on in America or the West, and you wonder if anybody's in charge, be sure there is people in charge right now. Uh, You have politicians and all kinds of people. But yet there's someone who supersedes them, and that is our Lord and Savior, Yahshua, Jesus Christ. And he is coming again. And he's setting up a kingdom. And to get in that kingdom, you have to be perfect. And in order to be perfect, you need to repent and receive him as your Lord and Savior and follow him with all your heart. And so to this I say that you need to read John 1 receive him he went to his own and his own received him not john 3 you must be born again of the spirit john 10 through 17 and 18 which tells you about abiding in him and a lot of other uh, important things romans 3 through 7 which discusses confession of sin john first john 1 through 5 and then also first john 1 which talks about if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Those are the scriptures you need to look at. And the Holy Spirit will prompt you to believe on him, to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, Yahshua that he is coming again to establish his kingdom and it'll be a forever kingdom and his people, his, his saints will be with him. So if God through Christ can deliver Pastor Paul and many, many others, including Tower and I, then he can deliver you. Yes, amen. That's right. And so we're coming down to the end. And uh, we want to thank you for joining us. Yes. Those, those were really. That's a powerful testimony of Pastor Paul. Oh, it is. It It really is, you know. It's probably one of the best. But everybody has a testimony. Everybody does. And so it's it's good to hear people's testimony in Christ. It encourages others. It does. You know, because you've got to put yourself in there. You've got to understand that, you know, he's here to deliver. But see, you get in America... And you have a tendency to depend upon the arm of the flesh, mm-hmm. depend upon everything we have. 
and that gets in the way many times. But when you're in many of those situations that we bring to you on this program, the people have no recourse. There's nowhere to run. There's persecution. There's death. And And that's part of being a disciple of Christ. Yeah. Those kind of things. And in America, people tend to think it's once you become a Christian, everything's going to be all hunky dory and roses yeah and it's not we all suffer and have things happen but god gives us peace and keeps us and helps us and makes a way for us through all these situations he does and that's our hope and that's why we serve him amen So we're going to have to be getting out of here. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for joining us whenever you do. It's always a pleasure to have you with us, and we love you, and we pray for you. We hope the best for you in Christ Jesus, and may he bless you and make his face to shine upon you. We Please pray for our brethren and for us as we pray for you. Good night, everybody. Don't forget to go to warren-usa.com, danaglennsmith.com. Read the articles, listen to the shows, pass them on to your friends. Visit our websites, truly Christian, biblical, and in-depth. It'll feed your soul. It'll help cleanse your mind. Getting the Word of God in is very important. This is The Watchman. Till next time, shalom, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Warren Radio.